I'm Dr. Gene Hansen. For more than 25 years, I've been answering your financial questions on Atlanta's longest-running and most respected money show on radio. This is Money Talks, providing honest, straightforward answers to your financial questions. This broadcast of Money Talks originally aired Saturday, December 9th, 2017. The economic health of this nation has been... The excessive decline in the dollar... Late rally on Wall Street, big to fail, growing the economy, growing the economy, Welcome. This is Money Talks. Good morning, good morning. You're listening to Money Talks, Atlanta's longest-running, most respected money show on the radio. I'm Troy Harmon here today with Shauna Theriault. We'll be joined later by... No, no, and uh, Jennifer Thomas. Jennifer and, uh, Thomas. We've got a special treat coming up as well. Uh, but, Shona, let's talk a little bit about this the market. market. Wow. Yeah, wow. Uh, up 20% year to date. Um, technology just running away with everything, still up 37.5%. Uh, and then there's telecom, down seven and a quarter. Yikes. Yeah. Um, telecom had a decent run last year. Um, d- does that count for anything? Sure. It's I just guess. resetting where it's supposed to be, maybe. <laughs> May, very well could be. Uh, energy's also down on the year. Um, but, you know, all things considered, it's uh, been an awesome year in the stock market. Um, no question. Financials up 21. Materials up 21%. Healthcare up almost 21%. Are you going to be able to keep it going? Uh, no. Consumer discretionary is only up 20%. What a disappointment. Right? Yeah. <laughs> So uh, from there, I mean, everything's great. Uh, Utilities up 17%, which is very interesting uh, given their sensitivity to uh, interest rates. Um, We uh, just looking as 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 of uh, this past week, markets down a little bit, 0.4%, 40 basis points we would call it. Um, Financials are up though. Yeah. Financials up one and a uh, 1.14% if we want to get precise. And of course we do. Of course. Yes. Well, I do. Uh, consumer staples are up 80 bips, and uh, discretionaries are up 0.1%. Everything else was negative on the week, so a um, little bit different. That's uh, interesting, discretionary. So so where does the retailers fall in here? Is Black Friday not doing well? Uh, no, I think the numbers that we've seen so far have been pretty okay. decent. Yeah, and, and, you know, it's a long purchasing season uh you just thought you, thanksgiving you was early seen a spike there you know but i yeah. guess that's not <laughs> well i mean most of this let's face it has been driven by earnings and uh when you talk about earnings we're for all intents and purposes through earnings season for the third quarter um if you look at uh the growth in sales uh overall the market s&p 500 Positive, 5.33%. There was a time when all we had was earnings growth, and uh, sales weren't really growing much. They were more or less flat. Mm. Uh, We have long since left that behind. Uh, Sales growth of 5% is pretty substantial. Looking at earnings growth for the the quarter, third quarter, uh, over 7%, 7 7.1%. And that's after everybody but about one stock has reported for the S&P 500. So... uh, What's really interesting, and I know we've talked about this a few times, is uh, when you look at information technology, everybody's made such a big deal out of the fact that it's up 37%. Well, look at this. Just in this last quarter, earnings for technology 
23.73% higher. Uh, That's pretty substantial, and it's been like that. I mean, it's not been quite this high, but uh, earnings have been good in technology, which, um, you know, I'll still say that uh, valuation is is pretty high in the market. We're about 30%, a little better than 30%, um, at a premium of 30% relative to long-term historical price-to-earnings ratio, which is probably the easiest and most common uh, way to measure that valuation. Um, But when you have growth, especially in technology like this, uh, it doesn't make it look as bad as as at first it might seem when the market's up 20%. Its long-term average is about 10.4%. Right. Uh, yeah, it's been it's been a good year, but earnings, look to earnings. Uh, one of the other things, and, uh, you know, we've talked about this a bit too, uh, we now have some tax reform. Hmm. Uh, we got it passed in the Senate last week. Uh, in the House a couple of weeks prior to that. Right. And now they're working out the details between the two plans. Who knows what we'll have, but uh, pretty much everything I'm reading says that we're going to be closer to the Senate plan than we will be to the House. And the reason for that is the fact that um, when the uh, when the vote is really close, they usually go to the entity that has the the most likelihood of passage Passing. on a changed plan, and that's where they change the plan. So the House is uh, most likely to fall in line with the Senate plan and uh, hopefully get it to the point where uh, it's not expected that they would have to vote again to, to get this through. Uh, Sean, we got some information out of the economy this week. Uh, ISM Manufacturing Index um, looks like it uh, fell a little bit to 582 from 58.7, that's not a percentage, not a big, it's not a big deal, big it's just down. an index number. Uh, but <clears throat> anytime that index number is greater than 50, uh, it shows expansion. So, um, you know, not too bad news. It is down a little bit, but uh, but not too bad. Um, had some hurricane disruptions, you know, um, earlier in the year. The supplier deliveries fell uh, to 4.9. Uh, they fell by 4.9 points. Uh, really, that's still trying to, to normalize from the, the hurricanes. Uh, one of the things that we watch pretty closely is inventory index within there, and it slipped one point to 47, which is not expansionary, and it's the reason that we've been watching it so closely. Um, factory orders, manufacturing conditions remain pretty solid, uh, but uh, couldn't fully sustain the previous gains they had in October. Uh, they fell, but only by 0.1% from uh, September, so... Um, not horrible news there, but also nothing to write home about, right? Right. Do people write home anymore, really? <laughs> you text home, don't you? Oh, I think that's probably email, text, mall. you call, Facebook it, call. You could probably people FaceTime. Call on their phone? You could FaceTime home. We're, Our technology. We were having a whole discussion about this. Teenagers don't use the phone to call anymore. It's just texting and don't yeah. don't call, just text. Well, if you looked at my handwriting, you'd think I hadn't written in millions of years, and you'd probably be about <laughs> right. If I can't type it, it's probably not worth Would doing because nobody can read it. No, right. Yeah. Uh, international trade, the deficit widened uh, more than expected in October. Really, basically, we're importing more than we export, and guess what? That's nothing new. Mm. Uh, ISM non-manufacturing index, better said the services index, uh, which makes up, you know, over 80%, 88%, I think it says here, of our GDP, um, actually softened a bit in uh, November. Uh, not it's not a huge movements. concern. It is. It's tiny. It's nothing major. Uh, the survey slipped from 601 
uh, in October to 57.4 in November. Um, nothing major again. If it's better than 50, it's still expansionary. So uh, a negative number is still a negative number. So you know. So all in all, everything's still going well yeah, in the economy. It is just a, a slight pullback. So um, you know, not not too bad. When we look at uh, MBA mortgage applications, which uh, do give us a bit of an insight into housing, um, you know, still on a better trajectory. Uh, into the new heading into the new year, uh, applications rose 4.7 percent, uh, hmm. which reversed the previous week's decline. This is a weekly number, so there's usually a little volatility in it. Um, uh, applications have risen three of the last four weeks, but they're uh, even uh, still during the holidays. Down. Yeah, still down 1.4. Yeah, after school starts, the, the housing market slows a bit, right. but you get into the holidays and it comes to a screeching halt. Right. Uh, who wants to move during that time of the year? Uh, purchase applications rose 2.4%, so, uh, you know, all things considered 6.9% higher than the year ago basis. So, um, not bad news there. Productivity and costs. Uh, when productivity rises uh, like it did back in the 90s, obviously, it's really good for the economy and, and awesome for the stock market as well. Um, but uh, we uh, basically got uh, an unre- unrevised number here, relatively flat. Uh, productivity is generally volatile, um, but uh, at the moment, you know, the trend's improving, but it's still got a ways to go. So um, total unit labor costs is uh, shown to have fallen 0.2%. Uh, jobless claims, this is one that we get quite frequently, too. Right. We look at this every week, and, uh, man, that's been the bright spot of this economy for a long time now is the the, um, the employment situation. Uh, jobless claims fell 2,000 from the previous week, and uh, the four-week moving average slid 750 from its previous week's unrevised uh, Level as well, insured unemployment rate held steady at 1.4%. Uh, looking at the uh, interest rates yield curve, yes, this is something that we watch a lot down in research. Um, the yield curve, uh, meaning it's uh, throughout all maturities, and usually borrowing shorter term gets you a lower rate than borrowing longer term. Uh, we would like to see the shape of that curve. Uh, go up and to the right, basically getting higher as you go out the maturities. There are times when it doesn't exactly do that, and uh, that's not a good omen for the future of our economy. But uh, at the moment, we're looking at uh, two-year treasuries rose nine basis points to 1.8%. You get out to the 10-year. This is where we usually measure 2.3%, which fell three uh, basis points, or 0.03%. All things considered, uh, it, it is a little bit of a flattening of the yield curve, which is still interesting to me that financials were up so big in the week. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's it's usually uh, means less uh, profit for those companies, those financial companies, especially banks. You know, as long as interest rates are rising, some of the others do fine, but uh, banks like it when the yield curve uh, when the yield curve is uh, is steep, and steepening is is better for that. So um, there you have it. 30-year mortgage, 3.91%. You guys stick around. We'll be back. Uh, Teased it a minute ago. We're going to have Sherry Martin on with Cobb Community Foundation talking about donor-advised funds. Y'all stick around. We'll be right back. Hopefully we can survive the second blizzard coming through at the end of this week. We want to build a snowman or ride our bike around the halls. I think some companies overdue. I've started talking to the pictures on the wall.
And we are back. This is Money Talks, Atlanta's longest-running, most respected money show on radio. I'm Jennifer Thomas, and I am joined here by Managing Associate Shauna Theriault, who has a string of designations. <laughs> um, she's a CPA, a certified financial planner. I'm also a certified financial planner. Um, I don't have the other ones, but she's also a CDFA, which is a certified divorce financial analyst. Correct. Correct? Correct. And then we also have a very special guest with us today. Um, it's Sherry Martin, and she's the executive director of the Cobb Community Foundation. So welcome, Sherry. Thank you. I appreciate your having me. Thank you for joining us. Um, just a little background, Cobb Community Foundation is a philanthropic foundation through which individuals, families, organizations, and corporations can support the Cobb County uh, and the charitable cause for their choice. So we're so glad to have you Thank today. You. And, and Sherry, if you would, just tell us a little bit about your story and what the history is and really what the Cobb Community Foundation does. Sure, sure. Um, well, my story is I'm an Atlanta native, one of the few. Uh, and I actually was in wealth management for 30 years. I used to have some letters behind my name, oh. but I let that designation go away. Um, and about 2015, after a great career, I started thinking, this has been wonderful, but I'd really like to do something else for the rest of my career. I don't know what that is, and I can't retire, but I can take a little time <laughs> and figure it out. So 2016 was my year to figure it out. And uh, fortunately, my uh, former company allowed me to do a little contract work for them while I was doing that. And at that time, I was on the board of the Cobb Community Foundation. In fact, 2016, I was actually board chair of wow. the Cobb Community Foundation. Great. And I'd gotten involved with it in about 2012 and loved the organization. Well, partway into 2016, our then executive director, Tommy Allegood, who is also the mayor of Ackworth, also builds houses and was the executive director of the Cobb Community Foundation. So he's not busy at all. He's not busy at all. And this man is in his <laughs> mid-60s. It's like, okay, I thought at wow. that point you're supposed to be slowing down. Uh -huh. <laughs> well, to him, slowing down is to go part-time in one job, but still be mayor and still be building houses on the side <laughs> yeah. and seeing grandkids from time to time. Um, so he came to me and said, okay, I want to go part-time. You're figuring out what you want to do. This is what you need to do. Great. And um, I, after I gulped, uh, <laughs> uh, um, said a lot of prayers, and we talked to our board. Um, they said, okay, this we think we should do this. So January 1, I became the executive director, and I'm having the time of my life. Great. Um, and I think a, a big part of that, honestly, is that um, every day when I go to work, no matter how hard the day is, I know we're there to do something good. Absolutely. Because what we're all about is... Helping others help others. We don't have boots on the ground. That's what the nonprofits that we support mm -hmm. have. But we are all about bringing resources to meet the needs of the community. Awesome. Well, the Cobb Community Foundation has a three-strategy approach. Mm -hmm. Can you go into that? Absolutely. Uh, the first strategy is that we want to make charitable giving easy. We want to make it easy. We want to make it convenient. And we do that through a number of ways. I know we're going to spend some time talking about donor-advised funds, so I'll I, I hold that for a little bit. But whether you're an individual, a family, a company, an organization uh, that wants to be very intentional about your giving, we make it very easy. 
Um, the second thing that we do is we really provide a high degree of support to local nonprofits. And I don't necessarily just mean financial, although in many ways that's part of it. Mm-hmm. We do everything we can to give them visibility and to connect our donors and other donors with them so they can increase their donor base and hopefully not have to spend so much time fundraising because we're helping them a little bit with that. Um, And then the third way, uh, and I'm having to change the way we describe this now, Um, the third way is that we try to bring broader resources to meet the needs of the community. And I, I say that we're having to change the way we describe that now um, because historically the county has uh, made available about $1.1 million in grants so that the services provided by some charitable organizations could be made available. Uh, those grants are not necessarily going to be in place in the future. So as opposed to saying that we administer this grant and make those funds available um, instead, uh, we now say we are bringing general resources to bear. Okay. So donor advice funds are one of the fastest-growing philanthropic uh, planning vehicles, and they've risen dramatically in popularity. Um, can you go into the Cobb Community Foundation's role in those types of funds? Absolutely. Um, the beauty of a donor-advised fund is that you can make your gift now, make it when it's most convenient for you from either a tax perspective, from a resource availability perspective, whatever it is, and then decide later who you want to benefit with that fund. And so our role is we're we're technically called the sponsor of a donor advice fund. Now, we are a 501c3 organization. So somebody, uh, when somebody makes a contribution to us for the benefit of their donor advised fund, um, they're receiving their tax deduction right then, depending upon the rules and their income limits and all that stuff. Um, but they can take the greatest deduction available under law with a contribution to their donor advised fund. Um, but we handle, you know, I like to say you set up a form. You write a check or transfer the assets, you take your deduction, and then you decide when you want to where you want the money to go. We do everything else. So it's not really – it, it can be any charity? It doesn't have to be just Cobb County? No. Nope. Is that correct? It can be any charity. Okay. It can be any charity. Okay. Um, we, we have a strong expertise in Cobb County. Sure. And in exactly, you know, who has, like I say, the boots on the ground here um, and what their needs are. But someone can request that a contribution or a distribution be made anywhere. Sure. And this is something we talk to our clients about now that we're at year end and we're talking about charitable giving. You know, it's looking at, um, you know, what their income is, what their deductions, there are limitations, of course. Mm -hmm. But, you know, doing cash or appreciated securities, you know, we talk about that quite often with clients. Um, Gifting appreciated securities, you're able to move securities over. Uh, to the charitable, to the donor advised fund, and you get the deduction today, you don't have to take the capital gains tax. You don't have to sell it and then give it. You can just give and avoid the tax completely. That's and right. then, of course, because they're a 501c3, That's you don't right. pay the tax on that either. That's right. So it's and a way to avoid. Yeah, and if you're unsure of where you want to donate, the, I think that's the, one of the beautiful things yes. about it is because, you know, now it's, your, you know, it's crunch time, and you're trying to figure, you know, there are a lot of people scrambling trying to figure out, well, you know, I want to save some money on taxes, and I want to, you know, 
give, but I just don't know what I want to do yet. So this allows you to at least put the money in place, and then you can make that decision later on. Absolutely. Or you can let it grow. We have clients who have set up donor advised funds for all kinds of reasons. Some of them um, had they sold out of their company or they sold a piece of real estate or they diversified their portfolio and had a gain and didn't have somebody like you guys telling them, no, don't do it that way. Mm -hmm. Instead, put the assets directly in and let the charity sell it. Um, and, and then just let decide later. But some will also put it in and literally just let it grow. Um, there have been some um, very well-known, particularly here in Cobb County, um, nonprofits that got started by creating their fund with us while they were in the process of getting their 501c3 designation, mm-hmm. while they were in the process of um, deciding what they wanted to do and where they wanted to go. And they knew that um, they could go ahead and create this charitable fund. Others could contribute to it while they were in the process of getting things set up. And then when the time came um, to go live with whatever it is that they wanted to go live with, the funds were there and available. Well, and I think, you know, sometimes like when somebody's going to retire or, you know, and they get a lot of money at one time or if they sell a business and they get a lot of money at one time, they don't necessarily want to, even if they have a charity that's close to them, that's in their heart of hearts where they want to give to that charity they don't necessarily want to give it to them all at one time. Right. But it allows right. them to go ahead and, you know, put that money aside and um, take the deduction. But That's then, right. you know, they can fund it to them over Absolutely. a period of time. Absolutely. And, Jennifer, you mentioned um, in the year of retirement, we work with a lot of folks who in the year that they retire, they have to recognize a lot of deferred income. Right. So all the, you know, their income's been X, X, X all along, and now mm-hmm. it's Z times three. And um, they really, really need that charitable deduction uh, at one time, but they don't want to necessarily spend it all at one right. time. Mm-hmm. You know, and then in the future, they may not have that income coming in where That's right. the, the deduction's not necessarily going to help them in the future, So, but it still allows them to continue to give Perfect. over time. Absolutely. So, Well, I think that what we need to do is take a break right now, and then we'll come back. So we're going to stop, and you're listening to Money Talks. Don't touch that dial, and we will be right back. And we are back. You are listening to Money Talks. I'm Jennifer Thomas, and I'm here with Shauna Theriolt. And we're back with our special guest, Sherry Martin, from the Cobb Community Foundation. Hey there. So one of the things that we wanted to um, ask you about the donor advised funds is what makes them better than a private foundation? Well, I... I don't know that I can say that they're better. Okay. I can say that in many situations they are preferable and they're less known than the foundation. foundation. People know that term, but they don't necessarily know donor advice funds. Um, so when you establish a private foundation, uh, an attorney has to draft a document for you. Um, that document has to be submitted to the IRS. Um, both of those incur fees and expenses. Um, and then once it's in place, it has to file its own tax return called a 990. 
And that tax return, interestingly, I'm finding that many CPAs who used to prepare this won't prepare them anymore because they're almost more of a legal document. There's more questions to answer than there are numbers on this Mm -hmm. tax return. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's a very expensive tax return to file. Um, Also, with a, um, a foundation, you have to keep your own books. There's nobody doing that for you. When you contribute to a donor advised fund, you fill out a form, you write a check or you transfer assets, which, you know, something we've all done on a day to day basis. Um, you tell you take your deduction, you tell somebody else, um, cut this check um, and you're actually making a request for a grant to be made and. There's no tax return to file. So you're putting the burden on the company instead of you doing it yourself. You're putting the burden on the community foundation, exactly. And we're the ones who do all the filing. With a private foundation, you actually have a mandate to distribute a certain amount every year. With a donor-advised fund, you don't have that mandate. Secondly, um, foundations are subject to an excise tax. Mm. Um, And there's no tax that's applicable to a donor-advised fund. Um, the last thing is that for very, very high income or individuals who make very, very large contributions, there are limits on how much you can deduct in a given year. Sure. And with a donor advised fund, those limits are higher. They are higher. Absolutely. Would you say there's a certain asset size that would be better for a foundation versus a donor advised fund or... Do you not look at it in those ways? I will tell you that is going to be um, a question that every single attorney I know answers differently. Okay. I've heard some It depends. Say, That's what accountants it say. It depends. <laughs> That's exactly right. It depends. I say it all the time and get made fun of. Absolutely. So. <laughs> I have some folks who say $10 million. Sure. I have some who say $5 million. Um, but we have seen donor advice funds that are $100 million. Sure. So it's all really what you're looking for. So what happens when, and and I'm kind of getting in the weeds, but I'm curious. So what happens if you set up this donor advised fund and you kind of want to keep it in the family? Can you name somebody else to take it over or how does that work? You can name a six, what's called a successor advisor. Okay. So uh, when you set up your donor advised fund, you actually at that point say, what do you want to happen when you're not here anymore? Or if you just decide you don't want to be in charge anymore, you can name a successor advisor. And this successor advisor is the one who's recommending the grants to be made from the fund. Um, To which charities. Exactly, exactly. Now, it's always going to be a 501c3. Right. And that is a distinction with some types of foundations is is that under some circumstances, they could give to individuals with a whole lot of documentation Mm -hmm. behind it. Um, That's not something we currently offer. Okay. Okay. Is there a minimum to start a... Yes. Donor advised fund. We've had individuals start um, uh, DAF, as some people call them, mm-hmm. uh, with as little as five thousand mm-hmm. um, dollars, and we can certainly do that. I will tell you, I don't encourage anybody to open a donor advised fund with five thousand dollars if they don't intend to get it to. I would say within the next three years, twenty. Okay. And the reason for that is that because this does take time, um, it, we do have costs associated, and the minimum annual fee is $300 a year. Okay. So if you're establishing something with less than, say, $20,000, that fee can become cost prohibitive, even at only $300 a year. So um, we'd encourage 10 to start off. We'll accept five, but plan to get it to 20. 
Okay. So is there usually an ongoing fee as a percentage of assets under management? There is. a minimum of 300 There is. Okay. There is. Uh, we charge one and a quarter percent, which is pretty much what all of the other community foundations charge. There's a range out there. That goes down the larger the fund. Sure. Uh, it goes down. And we offer four different investment options. Um, we actually uh, have an outside manager who manages those for us. And we've got a couple board members who used to manage institutional money and are just brilliant. We are so fortunate to have them. Um, but that investment manager's fee is 45 basis points or less than one half of 1%. So okay. all in 1.7. So okay. how do you differentiate yourself from others uh, that use donor advised funds? That's a great question. There are there are basically three different types of organizations that offer donor advised funds. You've got the um, local community foundations like us. Um, you have some of the larger national organizations. Often these are um, affiliated or um, religion-related, such as the National Christian Fund or the Jewish Federation. And then there are um, some national funds that are um, through corporate sponsors, such as Fidelity, uh, Schwab. And each of these is a good fit for a different type of person. So for the Fidelity and Schwab and uh, Vanguard, for example, um, for the individual who is very much a do-it-yourselfer, mm-hmm. really wants to do everything online, doesn't need advice, is going to go in and spend a lot of time on the computer figuring out who they want to give to, um, and they just like things that um, are very technology-based. I think those are great candidates for um, the the corporate-sponsored funds. Mm-hmm. They don't really need any hand-holding, don't want any hand-holding. Um, the, uh, the National Christian Foundation, Jewish Federation, obviously they're focused on organizations that support um, their mission and, and their faith, and that can be a great fit for those individuals. Uh, Community Foundation for Greater Atlanta is an amazing organization, and for those individuals who are looking um, at um, the broad issues facing Metro Atlanta, it's a great organization. I think where an organization like us is a really good fit and other community foundations that are in their communities, the North Georgia Community Foundation, Community Foundation of Northeast Georgia, Northwest Georgia, there's Coastal Georgia, Middle Georgia. These are community foundations that are, while their donors can give to any 501c3, we are very focused on the Cobb community. And what I found about this community is it is the greatest group of givers. They care so much mm. about this current community and the future community. And so if someone is really interested in making a difference right here, I think we're a really good fit for them. Well, that's awesome. I mean, that's I think, great. you know, I think as a firm, we try to do things in Cobb County a lot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we try to invest in the community and give back to the community. And we do focus our efforts in Cobb County a lot. So I think I'm sure that there are a lot of other companies and organizations and, uh, you know, even individuals, individuals that are are looking to do the same thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, but if, you know, if, you know, our radio audience may be outside of Cobb County, Absolutely. they might want to look. In their particular area for someone that is Absolutely. doing donor advised funds in their area. If that's Absolutely. The way they feel. And then so. there are also some areas, for example, North Fulton doesn't have a community fund. Sure. Um, but if they are looking for what I would call a smaller, more boutique mm-hmm. uh, type feel, 
um, we're a good fit. So we definitely have donors who are outside of Cobb. Okay. Well, Sherry, tell us how to set it up if somebody was interested in that. Um, it is about as easy as it gets. Literally, you fill out a form, you make a phone call, give us a yell, or just even send us an email. But we like to have a conversation. We like to know our donors. We send you a form that is literally fill in the blank. We'll talk you through it. Um, but you don't even need us to talk you through it. You either write a check or transfer securities, and you're transferring them to the Cobb Community Foundation, and we give you the instructions for that. Um, you take your income tax deduction this year, right. um, and then when you're ready, you start telling us where you want to give the money, and you can do that with a phone call. You can do that with an email, but the easiest way is we have um, the ability for our donors to go online sure. and actually uh, search for nonprofits um, in this area or elsewhere. We're connected to GuideStar, which is the world's largest database of uh, nonprofit information. Um, and they can just order their distribution right online. That's and great. And, and you can do that. Um, you can do the distributions to the charities at any time, but you have to set up and fund this donor advised fund by December 31st to get the deduction this tax year. Correct. And let's Correct. not forget the 31st is on a Sunday this year, yes. so we really need to get it by Friday. Checks yes. can be in the mail by December 31st, but yes. we have two less days this year to be thinking about it. But there's Absolutely. still plenty of time to do that. Correct? Absolutely. It's not something that you know, takes a significant amount of time or effort. Absolutely. I mean, Literally, you could do it within a 60-minute window. We could do every single thing that needs to happen, including write the check, transfer the assets, get you set up online, tell you how to cut your check, give you your confirmation, et cetera. So make sure you go talk to your accountant and find out how much you could give and get that tax deduction. All right. Well, thank you very much. And we're going to take a quick break here, and we will be right back. This is Money Talks. And we are back again, and I am Jennifer Thomas, and I'm here with Shauna Theriolt, and also here with Sherry Martin, who is the Executive Director of the Cobb Community Foundation, uh, and we're talking about donor-advised funds. Yes, we have been going into that, and um, Cobb County Foundation is more than just donor-advised funds, though, right, That's Sherry? That's right. That's right. So can you go in a little bit about what else you do? Sure. What else they offer? Sure. Um when we are working with nonprofits, uh, we offer a fund called an agency fund, and a lot of nonprofits uh, will take some of their reserves and they'll put it aside in this agency fund, which they then pull out later when they need it. Uh, it's a way to get their funds invested cost effectively. Um, they can also turn that into an endowment, so funds are available long term. Um, we also offer what's called a field of interest fund. So, for example, if you're interested in the arts, we have a fund where you contribute uh, to it and money only goes to the arts. You're no longer hands-on, but you're saying, hey, I'm interested in the arts. I don't know what's what I want to give to right now. I just know I wanted this to go to the arts. You guys run with it. Um, same thing with the designated fund. Um, I want to give to this organization. I want all these funds to go to this organization, but I want you to determine um, when the appropriate time is to give those funds to the organization. 
Perfect. So it's basically the same thing, and maybe you have an interest, but that way it's handled by somebody else, somebody who's doing the research of the company and, and the charity, right. rather, and, and, and watching that and, and knowing what's going on. That's right. And it's also uh, broadly available to the general public. And really, any fund we have, um, anyone can contribute to if the donor elects that. But if somebody creates this designated fund or um, the, the field of interest fund or even what we call an unrestricted fund, that that is intended for the general public to be able to contribute um, to support whatever that particular interest organization is or the community in general for an unrestricted fund uh, broadly. So would the minimum be different for that because you're not you're not managing it yourself, or do you do you still have a minimum that you'd like to do? Because there are still administrative. Obviously. There's still administrative fees. Um, I would, we will start those at five thousand dollars. Okay. Um, because the reality is those are going to build a little quicker because it's not just one person or one family generally contributing. It's hopefully the whole community. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Sherry, um, the Cobb Community Foundation also operates the Cobb Community Impact Grant. Um, I'd like to see if you could share how that works, but Again, you also mentioned that this is in jeopardy, and how is that going to affect you going forward? Well, it's not going to affect us so much. It's going to affect the Cobb community. Okay. Um, The county has historically provided about $1.1 million in funding for services provided through nonprofits um, through two different grants. The Community Impact Grant is one of those grants. Uh, and we have given away, um, well, the county's funded about 820000 over the past three years. That actually has been matched by another $900,000. If you look at both grants combined, it's about $1.1 million that the, com- the county has provided that's been matched so that the total resources are $3.5 million. So $1.1 became $3.5 million in matches. Um, and with that, um, over the past three years, 300,000 people have been touched and about 41,000 people have had life changing, um, ha- had some life change as a result of the service that have been provided. Well, frankly, there are just a lot of demands right now on county dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, and as with any entity, um, funds are limited. And, and, and I'm fearful that these funds are at risk. Um, if they are available, I think it's going to be fewer dollars that are available. But regardless of whether those funds are coming from the county, they're needed. They're needed in this community because mm-hmm. with, without those funds, there are kids that are in um, summer camp that wouldn't be in summer camp. Right. After school programs, there are lunches that are provided uh, it's not just kids. Um, there, there are lunches provided during the summer, but there are groceries that go home with kids over the weekend um, so that the families will have Sweet. food over the weekend and in the evenings. Um, you know, a lot of people don't know that almost half of Cobb County school children um, receive free or reduced lunch. Wow. Most people don't know that. No, I didn't know that. Yeah. Wow. Well, well, can you give us your website address or if people wanted to learn more about the Cobb Community Foundation, um, you know, and absolutely. need help with their planning and how they can give? Yes, we would love to talk with them. Uh, we are at CobbFoundation.org, C-O-B-B, Foundation.org. If you try to dictate it into your phone, it will take you to Cobb 
Foundation, which won't get you there. Um, <laughs> our phone Gotta num- love Siri. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Um, and our phone number is 770-859-2366. And you can also just go right online to CobbFoundation.org and click Donate Now. And if you want to give to the Cobb Community Impact Fund, which is how we are collecting funds to try to replace the funds that aren't going to be available long-term to make sure these services are going to be provided, you can just go to CobbFoundation.org. Well, awesome. So that was Sherry Martin. She's the Executive Director of Cobb Community Foundation, and we appreciate you being with us today. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much, Sherry. It was great. Well, that was a great interview. What did you think of that, Troy? Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah, Good stuff. Uh, well, uh, Sean, it looks like we got a few more minutes. Uh, we can uh, probably take a question here since it is our goal to answer every financial question in Atlanta that anybody could ever dream of, right? So how would they reach us, Troy? Uh, they can give us a call. Uh, you can reach us uh, at 770-429-9166 and talk to a human being, or you can uh, call our question hotline, one 855 uh, wherein you will put your question, you will put your question in a form of a question. How about that? <laughs> and uh, we will play show? it. <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> uh, we'll play it on the air and then uh, answer right behind it. We actually have one of those. Uh, you can also reach us at uh, via email at drgene at hensler.com. That's spelled H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R.com. Uh, and that just happens to be the uh, way you can get to our Website as well, and there's loads and loads of information on there. You can almost answer your own question. Shauna's probably got loads of commentary that she's put on there absolutely. at various times throughout the year. So uh, absolutely, it's sitting there waiting for you. Um, but uh, as I said, we have a question that uh, we did get this week on our question hotline. I'll play it for you now, and we'll come right back and answer. My husband and I still own GoDaddy in our portfolio. I'm not complaining, as we've made quite a profit over the last five years. How long can the company's run continue? I just don't see them advertising as heavily as they used to, unlike private companies like Squarespace or Wix. Is there still growth ahead for GoDaddy? There you have it, uh, Barbara, I assume, since it's Kenny and Barbara, uh, from Roswell. Um, And uh, that's a good question. Growth in technology is is always a, a major theme. Five-year earnings growth on GoDaddy is not positive, so it's very difficult to say exactly what you got there. Um, However, going forward, analysts do believe that uh, we'll probably see about a 20% annualized growth rate uh, in the earnings of GoDaddy. Uh, For those of you that don't know, if you hadn't watched TV in a long, long, long time, uh, GoDaddy is a – they provide um, domain – uh, it's a domain marketplace. Mm. If you want a website, you go on uh, GoDaddy, GoDaddy yeah. and you can type in what your uh, domain name would be. They'll tell you if it's available, and uh, you know you can either buy it directly for cheap, or if somebody else already has it, you can also make an offer to purchase from the original owner. Uh, so you know, so you could get the uh, the domain name that you always wanted. That's going to make your business thrive. They also have. Uh, some pretty interesting tools that allow you to uh, create websites, uh, maybe even a retail marketplace. Um, but uh, all things considered, considered, this company has had some really, really volatile earnings. Uh, when I see the average surprise on an earnings release 
at negative uh, 52.07%. Mm. Uh, anything that's bigger than about 2 or 3%, I usually think, wow, that's pretty volatile. Yeah. Uh, but when it's negative 52, yeah. wow, uh, that's uh, it's a whole lot more uh, volatile than I would want to ride out. Um, you know, it, uh, Barbara, you, you said you guys still own uh, GoDaddy. I really think if you've uh, done well at all in the uh, in the company, it'd probably be a good time to go find you something else. Take your profits. I think so. Yeah. Well, Shauna, you know what we talk about now, right? Yes. So Is the market going to be up or down? Well, of course. You've done this before. You I, seem like an expert. <laughs> well, the market's going to be up, of course. Oh, of course. I mean, if if you follow the stats, it's up. Two out of every three days. Right? There you go. Over a long, long, long so period of time. So the likelihood that I'll be right is is, is greater. Is and greater. That's, you're sounding like me now. So you know, I'm usually the uh, the, the the scratched record that keeps <laughs> playing the same old tune. I think the market's going to be up this week, just like you. There Sean. you go. How about that? There Can't go. go wrong with that. That's right. It's been a slice of heaven. You guys join us again next week. Money talks. All material presented is compiled from sources believed to be reliable and current, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed. The contents are intended for general information purposes only. Information provided should not be the sole basis in making any decisions and is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified professional, such as a tax consultant, insurance advisor, or attorney. Although this material is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with respect to the subject matter, it may not apply in all situations. This is not to be construed as an offer to buy or sell any financial instruments. It is not our intention to state, indicate, or imply in any manner that current or past results are indicative of future profitability or expectations. Portfolio holdings discussed are subject to change. There is no guarantee that in the future these securities will be held in Hensler accounts. As with all investments, there are associated inherent risks. Please obtain and review all financial material carefully before investing. Hensler is not licensed to offer or sell insurance products. This overview is not to be construed as an offer to purchase any insurance products.